Hi. Thanks for checking in with K-Voice. I'm your host, Kelly, reporting to you from an undisclosed location. Wow, that was a close one. I don't know how long we'll be able to hold up here. We are running out of supplies. Ratman and Bebop have not returned from their supply run, and I am beginning to worry. I am sad to report that we lost Rocksteady to the immigrant plague that has besieged our land. He announced his engagement to Sophia this morning. The border has fallen. We send thoughts and prayers daily so that our fearless king can find the means to erect the walls so that we may one day find some relief from the marauding immigrants lined up at ports of entry waiting for asylum. The ten-year-olds get more dangerous the hungrier they are. I must find out for now. When I receive more news, I shall find a means of getting you the information. So long as communication systems hold out, I will be here. Be safe out there. Signing off. K-Voice. Hi, guys. Hope you are faring well during this totally real emergency. A totally real emergency of which our esteemed president is totally really golfing through. Which is fine. It doesn't help his case. So it is totally fine. Can we have a new one yet, president? I mean, this is our 60th national emergency as a nation since the law was ratified in 1976 in the aftermath of the Vietnam War. Can you believe that? The Brennan Center for Justice taught me that. And as, and as a rule, they have not really been controversial. But Trump is special. As with everything he serves up, the executive order is rife with corrupt intent, blended with racism, iced over with some delicious absurdity, a pinch of dark humor, sprinkled with destructive potential, and voila! We have a cake bit for only his rabid supporters. But I don't want to talk about the border controversy, because like a never-ending hailstorm, the news is pummeling us with it relentlessly and burying all of our all the other news. Look, I'll touch on it at the end, but for now, I don't want to talk about the border controversy, because it's like a never-ending hailstorm. The news is pummeling us with it relentlessly, burying all the other news. So let's talk about the economy. We hear from Trump day in and day out about a rock star economy. It is a daily tweet, it is on every Republican's tongue, and even talked of by many Democrats, and of course, the news. And like a rock star, much of it is fabulous. It is taking charge, seemingly perfect, despite minor ups, downs, and blips of scandal that get PR'd away. But also like a rock star, it is fragile and falling prey to its vulnerabilities. And more and more, beneath the glitz and the glamour, it is headed towards a breakdown, and in its descent, it will lay waste to all in its destructive path. The U.S. economy is growing almost twice as fast today as when I took office. And we are considered far and away the hottest economy anywhere in the world. Unemployment has reached the lowest rate in over half a century. Everything is great. People are employed. People are employed. People are employed. In one, in two, in three jobs at a time. Are you one of them? Are you one of them and sharing a place with roommates? With your parents? And still worried about making ends meet? 
the news gleefully spins the story Donald Trump wants them to, if not in the way he wants them to. They talk about his latest gambit to distract us from the ample ugly underbelly of his administration's nefarious dealings. Distract us from the cold truths and realities of our struggling country. Distract us from the heart-wrenching stories of our suffering citizens. I'll get to the point. Did you go outside this morning and find your car no longer in the driveway because it was repossessed? Well, I have good news. You're not alone. You are a member of a growing number of Americans for whom life suckage continues to grow. Nudged out by the hailstorm of fake disaster news was a little report done by the New York Federal Reserve. And we are breaking records, folks. We just set a new record for the number of Americans who have fallen at least three months behind in their car payments. <laughs> Yay! Seven million Americans fell 90 days behind on car payments, breaking the previous record set in 2010, just about when Obama was beginning the Herculean effort of putting our economy back together again, after Bush sucked it dry for eight years. We are only two years into Trump's so-called great economy, and people's household finances are being derailed. In a great piece by Bob Henley of Salon on the issue, he writes how now, thanks to Trump's henchmen who were dredged from the same swamp that got us into the financial crisis to begin with, where there were, for a brief time under Obama, ladders and watchdogs over our economy, ladders to help us climb economically and watchdogs to stop any shenanigans by the vultures, there are now sand traps, trick doors, and predators who wish to gain the system and prey on us, but there's nothing left to take but the skin on our bones, and that they would take too if they could. These corporate who do their work on behalf of things like predatory lenders and big banks rather than on behalf of us. People are now rediscovering just how many ways they can fix top ramen to at least mix it up a bit. At least 50, by the way. Rasmussen College, I found, has a great piece on 50 ways to fix it. <laughs> Yummy. So, Wall Street... It's not just some foul, nefarious machine of money and numbers. It's people. A predatory class of people. People whose money makes them money. It is they who stole $20 trillion in our household wealth and not only faced no repercussions, they benefited from it. You suck. So we elected Obama, a country in crisis, desperate, took a chance on hope. And it was thanks to his leadership that he allowed Elizabeth Warren to birth a brainchild in 2010. That, according to the New York Times editorial board, would end up recouping 12 billion dollars to active duty military, car buyers, credit card holders, all who had been victimized by quote, abusive, deceptive, and predatory practices, unquote. This brainchild of Elizabeth Warren's was the CFPB, the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau, which, as part of Dodd-Frank, was passed by Congress in 2010. Think about it. We have a woman running for president who actually created an entire governmental agency. One, it actually worked for the people, not against us. Holy crap. Give the woman a hand. Her campaign slogan should be, I got $12 billion for you bitches. You want more? Vote for me. Guys, I'm not choosing a horse for the race for president for a long while, but uh, she's a strong contender. So just as we're beginning to recover from our losses, that same Wall Street vomited its minions into our current government. 
Well, kinda. I mean, it was a process. The quote-unquote forgotten masses. Make America great again! The very loud, silent majority, who, need I remind everyone, is a minority in this country, voted in a, quote, man of the people, unquote, a self-proclaimed billionaire with a gold toilet, who was born on third base and brags like he just hit a triple. And this man of the people swamped the government with minions that Wall Street belched forth. Men who don't believe in throwing shekels to the starving masses. Rather, their worldview calls for funneling money upward. And honestly, I'm pretty sure whether that money trickles back down to the hungry mouths below is negligible to them. To Trump, to Mnuchin, to Mick Mulvaney, to Commerce Secretary Wilbur Ross, I assume promising the masses will get theirs is only useful as a talking point. To placate uninformed minds and to curb an uprising. Because, you know, pitchforks and torches scratch their Maseratis, and it is such a hassle buffing those out. We are there for product, for output, to put money into their pockets, and, of course, in their accounts in the Caymans. We are there so that we may labor for them, so that they may sunbathe while scheming on ways to take more from us. And I know it sounds cartoonish, but holy crap, can you get more cartoonishly obvious than our current government? Am I wrong? <laughs> Remember that picture of Mnuchin with his wife holding the fucking slabs of money as she's draped in outrageously expensive clothes? This is our reality, and it's getting worse for us. Have you done your taxes yet? Are you getting anything back? Do you owe? It's all thanks to the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act. It's called the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act, shortened from the original name, the Billionaire Stroke Job Act. The tax scam, which was disguised as a tax cut for the middle class, was, as we all know, really a $1.5 trillion giveaway to the richest among us. A big, beautiful tax cut. Did your house burn down in an electrical fire? Did your basement flood with a broken water pipe? I'm sorry. If His Highness did not declare a national emergency, you can no longer deduct that from your taxes. But don't worry. You can always deduct your private jet and yacht to make up for it. When they said this tax cut would help millions of people... They meant people with millions. So I'm going to, okay, this I'm going into is a small departure from my train of thought. But but remember how the Tax Cut and Jobs Act was supposed to create tax cuts and, you know, jobs? And you know how, just as Forbes reminds us, that with tax cuts, small businesses who create half of the economy and jobs invest any cash from a tax cut back into their business? Well, corporate America, you know, doesn't. Well, if the Republicans really did want to make sure tax cuts would drive the economy and grow jobs, wouldn't they treat small business the same as big ones? But they didn't. Well, corporate America got a 40% effective tax reduction in the form of a permanent tax cut, quote-unquote, qualified, qualified small businesses got about a 9% effective tax reduction. And then, and then, even those crumbs expire after 2025. And it gets worse from there for small businesses, but the show is not here to rehash the tax scam. The Republicans say the bill will lead to a middle-class miracle, and they're right, because it will be a miracle if we still have a middle class. 
As for working-class America, millions are discovering that they will be writing a check this winter rather than receiving a tax return. Oh, no. And if you live in a highly taxed state like California or New York, you know, a blue state, it is going to hurt. Just as designed, this tax cut was partially designed to punish the people in blue states. It is on the backs of middle class America that this corporate and wealthy tax cut was made. It's like again and again. Again and again, they climb on our backs, ever hired onto their high perch, on top of which they scowl down at us. Here's what I'm getting to. No one is talking about it. The media, if at all, only a little here and there, and often in passing. I am of the belief, backed with studies, that it was racism, the Russians, and the electoral college that swept Mango Hitler into office. It was not the economic anxiety of the so-called forgotten white working-class voter in middle America. If so, why did brown and black people and liberals in the same economic bracket not vote the same? The nation analyzed a national election studies pre- and post-election survey of over 4,000 respondents which looked at the impact of racism and economic peril on 2016 voting behavior. And the results were clear. It was racism, baby! Hello, my baby! Hello, my honey! Hello, my ragtime gal! The nation found that, quote, Trump accelerated the realignment in the electorate around racism across several different measures of racial animus and that it helped him win. By contrast, we found little evidence to suggest individual economic distress benefited Trump. The American political system is sorting so that racial progressivism and economic progressivism are aligned in the Democratic Party and racial conservatism and economic conservatism are aligned in the Republican Party. Unquote. So the economy was not an issue. But it needs to be. The media is pushing the line that the economy is booming and the job numbers are high. But they don't discuss the fact that the problem right now is not unemployment, it is underemployment. People can only find low-paying jobs, part-time jobs, and they need two or three jobs, side hustles, and to barter to supplement their income. Student loans, rising food costs, grocery costs, rent, loan, car, house, medical, phone payments, taxes, cable, electricity, gas, water, health insurance, car insurance, phone insurance, bank fees, bank fees, that's a thing, most likely debt payments, vet bills, <coughs> gifts, personal care items, fuel, public transportation costs, vehicle maintenance, parking, clothes, daycare, children, everything if you have them, and God forbid anyone who wants to do something fun. We are being crushed. I worked two jobs to get by in L.A., and at one point, I had a right-wing friend of mine lay in to me about why we didn't need to raise the minimum wage. He told me that there is no reason we shouldn't be able to get by on the minimum wage as it stood. He said that he knew I went to the Coachella Music Festival every year and that there was no reason for me to pay for that quote-unquote extravagance. Are we not allowed to have any fun in our lives? One of the few things that got me through each year of running on my feet for hour after hour, putting up with assholes, spilling beer on me in the sports bar I worked in, and then later to go to a different restaurant and have to swallow my pride as some rich douchebag or other talks down to me. It gave me something to look forward to. We are not robots. 
We need things to look forward to. We need the hope of tomorrow. We need a chance to catch some air, to breathe, to see beauty, to hear music, to laugh. Remember, in your bones, remember, if the right had its way, there would be no labor laws and no minimum wage at all. Never mind the fact that according to the Economic Policy Institute, if the federal minimum wage kept up with the economy, we'd be making $15 an hour. And on top of that, there are certain expenses for millennials that have gone up exponentially. The value of a home has increased by 73% since the 1960s when adjusted for inflation. What I mean is, according to Business Insider, the median price of a home in the 1960s was $11,900, which is equivalent to $98,681 in today's dollars. So all things being equal, that's how much millennials should be paying today. But it's not. Millennials today, or anyone today buying a house, is going to pay $225,300. And it's kind of hard to save up for a home when rents have increased by 46%. And school has gone up. From the late 1980s to the 2017-2018 school year, the cost of an undergraduate degree rose, get this, 213% at public schools, adjusting for inflation. And then there is entertainment. In 1970, the average price of a ticket to the Super Bowl was at $91.52 adjusted for inflation. So that's what it should cost now. As of 2019, the average ticket price for the Super Bowl was $2,500 to $3,000. Yeah, concert tickets are also becoming a luxury form of entertainment. In 1969, a ticket to Rolling Stones concert cost about eight bucks which was as much as $350. And in 2003, just 10 years later, the average price was at $624. And guys, policies are not designed to make any of this better as the economy booms, but our individual economies falter. See, yes, the Russia news is important, and the ins and outs of Trump's daily drama is often important. But the problem is, the more the media ties in Trump's win with the Russians while touting the booming economy, then we could be seeing a second Trump term. Bear with me. See, what if our savior, Robert Mueller, comes back with a whimper of a report? What if he finds corruption and crimes in everyone surrounding Trump, but not Donald himself? Or even not the people closest to Trump? Then the 2020 election will be a long victory in March of no collusion. There's no collusion. No collusion. There is no collusion. No collusion. No coordination. No nothing. No there collusion. is no collusion. Very strong. There was no collusion between the Trump campaign and the uh, Russian people. And the economic issues that are ever-growing beneath the orange monster himself will not stick to him. People need to know what's going on, why it is going on, and who is to blame. They need to hear it again and again and again until it is heard. We need balance in the news. We have got to change the narrative on the economy. And we need to demand it. All right. Moving on power of the purse. All bills for raising revenue shall originate in the House of Representatives, but the Senate may propose or concur with amendments as on other bills. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 7, Clause 1. No money shall be drawn from the Treasury but in consequence of appropriations made by law. 
and a regular statement and account of the receipts and expenditures of all public money shall be published from time to time. United States Constitution, Article 1, Section 9, Clause 7. What I don't understand is why more people aren't angry. Because this has been done in our name. The presidency is not just a position, but a symbol of American values. And Donald Trump does not represent those values. He does not have the power of the purse. Congress does. We elected them. And if they don't do what we need our country to do, we will vote them out. We hit the streets the day Trump was inaugurated, and we have not stopped marching since. There were at least 275 President's Day marches protesting Trump's fake emergency. Some in the snow, the rain, the wind, the cold, the wind and sun, people hit the streets and raised their voice. That's right, Donnie. We are still here, and we are not letting you off the hook. Two years ago... When we were in D.C., waiting to get to the parade route to protest Donald Trump's inauguration, we were crammed in with all the parade goers, red hats and pussy hats, waiting for hours for a chance to express ourselves to the armored limo. As we stood in the rain, protesters outnumbering the supporters, I got in a conversation with a man who registered his complaint with me about Obama. It was his executive orders. He felt as though Obama did too many, and he, he didn't feel it was right. The protester over my shoulder said, quite prophetically, And you think Trump wouldn't do as many and then some? The supporter said he doesn't know, he doesn't think so, and he doesn't think that any president should have the right to do executive orders. I think about this man often. Every time a new executive order is signed in that gaudy flourish that Trump loves to show off, does that man now approve of them? Or has he turned his back on Trump? Do all of those people who railed against Obama's orders now look down on Trump? It's a silly thought, I know. And of course they support Trump's orders. They think that they're justified because of the obstructionist Democrat Party. Mexicans, brown people, Muslims, Hillary! No, they don't care. But if that man were being honest, paying real attention, if he had a real problem with Trump's executive orders, what must he think of this national emergency? And by the way, Barack Obama signed a total of 275 executive orders during his two terms, averaging 35 a year, the lowest number signed since Grover Cleveland, according to Snopes. So the right needs to calm down. Trump averaged 45 executive orders a year during his first two years to Obama's average of 35 a year. And with three so far in 2019, Trump is showing no signs of slowing. Anyhow, Trump hopes with this disaster bullshit to bypass Congress and pull $8 billion, an arbitrary number to be sure, from funds that have been previously allocated elsewhere. According to CNN, Trump partially plans to supplement the $1.4 billion granted by the new funding bill, bipartisan Congress passed funding bill, with $600 million from the Treasury Department's Drug Forfeiture Fund, which is made up by proceeds, cars, and other property forfeited during investigations carried out by the Treasury Department and Department of Homeland Security. This is that crap where they have to only suspect you of a crime, and they can take your car, your cash, or even your house without proof or conviction. He wants to take $2.5 billion from the Defense Department's Drug Interdiction Program. This is... 
as amusing as it is counterproductive. Because isn't part of Donald's line of bullshit because we have a crisis because all the drugs pouring into our country due to the lack of a precious wall? Well, DOD's drug interdiction operations target drugs that come into the United States at official ports of entry. And according to the Department of Defense itself, it is through those official ports that the majority of drugs that pour into the U.S. illegally come. But Trump claimed on Friday that much of it coming from the southern border. They say it all comes through the port of entry. It's wrong. It's wrong. It's just a lie. It's all a lie. They say walls don't work. Walls work 100 percent. It's a lie, he said. You know, from liars. Department of Defense. And finally, $3.5 billion will come from the military construction budget. This is the budget meant to rebuild military bases, some of which are in dire need of rebuilding. But I thought Trump was rebuilding the military. I know, it's weird, right? It is as though we were sold a line of bullshit or something. Think Progress points out that alone, September 2018, Hurricane Florence caused an estimated $3.6 billion in damage to North Carolina's Camp Lejeune. Last Wednesday, a report by the Military Advisory Family Network said that, quote, military families are living in dangerous situations with reports of existence of black mold, lead paint, faulty wiring, poor water quality, pesticides, and a wide variety of vermin, insects, and other animals. For example, bats, skunks, and squirrels in their homes. Unquote. Never mind the fact that many of these families have been getting sick. We will give the men and women of America's armed services the resources you need to keep us safe. Well, partially privatization, of course. See, they privatized maintenance because hook and line, the lies about the free market, have sunk into this country and it is sinking us all. Now it is going to take more money to remedy the situation for these poor families. Money that will no longer be there because Donald Trump had a campaign promise to keep. Elizabeth Goitian, co-director of the Liberty and National Security Program at the Brennan Center for Justice, says, quote, Absolutely, it's an abuse of power for the president to declare a national emergency when none exist and to use it to try to get around the democratic process, unquote. And I know what you're thinking. Trump? Abuse power? What? Never. But it's true. Even our benevolent Führer can and has. But okay, I want us all to prepare for the Supreme Court, or even possibly the lower courts, to totally uphold Trump's state of emergency. The rules surrounding the president's authority to declare a state of emergency and in and around states of emergency are vast. And regardless of what the courts decide, Congress needs to pass laws to narrow the authority given to the president in these states of emergency. And that needs to happen now. We even have a chance of passing it in the Senate. Maybe. So we need to make calls, write postcards and emails to our legislators. If we have one thing to thank Trump for, it is this massive civic lesson he continues to give our country and the demonstration of the limits and regulations we need in place on the presidency. All the way from a law requiring taxes to be shown by presidential candidates to this. I sure hope Congress is taking note. All right, gotta go. Uh, thank you for sticking with me and this episode of K-Voice. You can stream or download the show at crabdiving.com under the K-Voice tab or on any podcasting app. Follow me on Facebook at K-Voice of Resistance and on Twitter at Kelly the Voice. 
Check out the Crab Diving Podcast with hosts Patrick Vile and comedian Ryan Pfeiffer. Two hours a day, Monday through Friday, if you want a rundown of the headlines, as well as the news you might be missing. All right, take care of yourselves out there. And as always, resist.